Hi, I'm Gavin Giovanoni, Professor of Neurology at Bath's and the London School of Medicine. In this MSLV podcast, I'm discussing a case study of a woman, um, I think it's a woman, uh, who has had multiple sclerosis for four years. She is 36 years of age and she was diagnosed uh, four years ago and was started on ocrelizumab very shortly after developing uh, MS. She's been told by her neurologist that her disease is in remission, in other words, she's not having any relapses or new MRI activity. But she has noticed that she is still very fatigued and that her memory and cognition has been worsening. She's convinced she has smoldering MS, but whenever she brings this up with her neurologist, he ignores her and is not not prepared to accept this concept of smoldering disease. He also has refused to do additional tests to diagnose smoldering MS and the question she's asking me is anything I can do to stop smoldering MS. So in my response I acknowledge that yes she's probably right that she does have smoldering disease and I personally would not recommend she ignores it. And I um, make the case that we are running trials, combination therapy trials and add-on therapy trials to try and tackle this concept of smoldering MS. And this patient may be eligible for some of these trials. I didn't repeat the trials yet, but I referred her back to um, a a newsletter I did on the 16th of February uh, about a new trial we're trying to get off the ground. And in that newsletter, I cover other trials tackling smoldering MS. I make the point, though, that to manage smoldering MS, obviously you have to treat your MS with a potent anti-inflammatory drug to make sure that you are free of disease activity, but you also have to then optimize your brain and metabolic health. And I reiterate this issue of, or this approach of marginal gains to try and treat or manage every little thing that can add to uh, optimizing MS outcomes. And I I refer her back to um, a post I did last year on brain health, how important is it? And in that post, I go through all the things that you can do as an individual to optimize your MS disease outcomes, in addition to being on an effective uh, disease-modifying therapy. Um, with, with regard to her neurologist, well, all I can say is she should probably give him a copy of the paper we wrote about small ring MS, where we make the case for it being the real disease. And I've provided a link that you can download uh, this paper, which is open access, and give it to your neurologist. Uh, the other option is to ref- send them the emails of MSL for newsletters covering smoldering MS. Um, sometimes, however, receiving information from your patients as neurologists doesn't change behavior, but at least you're prodding them to think a little bit outside the box uh, and to address this issue. I'm a little bit upset by this case study because this particular neurologist's inability to acknowledge this person's history is a subtle form of medical gaslighting. In other words, you're not documenting the story or the narrative that this person's putting forward, and that in itself is um, uh, considered to be medical gaslighting. So this neurologist probably should also read my previous letters on this concept of medical gaslighting. All I want to say is that I will... I'd like to thank all of you uh, who participated in our smoldering MS trial survey. We analyzed the results and we submitted them as part of our grant application to the Progressive MS Alliance Challenge Award. Uh, And this particular trial will be looking uh, to explore the role of uh, uh, an A2A adenosine receptor 
uh, antagonist uh, in smoldering disease. In other words, can we add uh, a small molecule drug onto existing therapies, or if, if you're not on a therapy, just giving it to try and switch off the abnormal glial response, what we call the hot microglia and the reactive astrocytes that may be making MS worse. I've added the headline results for you, and you can see that there is a majority of people who would want to participate uh, um, in a study like this. And what is quite remarkable is that not many of you have the, you know, quite a large number of you don't fully understand this concept of smoldering disease, which is another reason why I keep repeating myself and doing newsletters on this topic. What is interesting is that uh, a large number of you um, have self-diagnosed, you know, about a quarter of you have self-diagnosed yourself as having smoldering disease, with a small percentage being diagnosed by a healthcare professional. And the majority of people actually, and I'm not sure if they've got smoldering disease, so there's clearly a need uh, in MS practice to try and define what smoldering MS is and look for it using biomarkers more detailed outcome measures, and I would like to put forward this concept of neurological stress test to try and stress the nervous system to pick up worsening that is occurring independent of relapse and MRI activity. Um, and I think the question where I asked, if you're unsure about having smoldering MS, would you like to be assessed and told whether you have smoldering MS or not? The vast majority, 80 three plus percent of you said yes. So there is clearly a need for us to change the way we practice uh, 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 how we practice uh, and provide you with more information on smoldering disease. Well, the good news is that very few people would not participate uh, in a trial uh, targeting smoldering MS uh, using PET and MRI imaging as an outcome measure. So, I mean, it's just a tiny slither um, when, I, when I do the figures, it's, uh, you know, almost 99% say yes or maybe, with 1% saying they wouldn't participate in a trial. And I'm very reassured to see that a lot of you would be prepared to collect uh, weekly digital biomarkers using an app. So 95.3% said yes, with um, another slice saying maybe. And similarly, a large proportion of you would be prepared to collect week weekly urine samples um, as part of the tr trial. So that's very, very reassuring. Not unexpectedly, when I asked the question, would you be prepared to have two lumbar punctures as part of a study, in other words, at baseline and at 12 months, 46% uh, said yes, 34% said maybe, and only 20% of you, 21% of you said no. So even when it comes to doing lumbar punctures, the majority of you would be yes or maybe participate in a study of this of this nature. I say this though because in the future we may have to do lumbar punctures to actually to interrogate um, the impact of these therapies on the pathogenesis of small ring MS. And the only way to measure that may be by looking at spinal fluid analysis rather than using uh, imaging. So I hope that these. Uh, results from the survey and we had you know close to 240 people respond the survey is still open if you want to continue doing it but we had almost 240 responses which kind of gives the survey face validity because once you start getting into the hundreds of respondents you you know that the results are valid
And I also want to make an appeal to funders. Um, you know, I was I, was, I chaired the Brain Health Time Matters in Multiple Sclerosis Steering Committee, uh, um, which we produced a policy document in 2015 to try and activate the MS community to be more proactive around the management of MS. And the whole idea was to try and speed up not only the diagnosis, but the uh, uh, treatment and management of MS to optimize long-term outcomes. I think the policy document has been incredibly well-received. It's got you know almost 60 international organizations endorsing the document, and I think it has changed behavior. However, I think in the last eight years, since we've done the policy statement, the evidence base has clearly evolved, and I want to now do a second edition. Uh, and I want, and to do this though, we need funders because the mechanism or the procedure we use to update these things is not without uh, time, not without cost. So we uh, tend to hire very skilled medical writers who will, uh, and researchers who go away and do a, syst- a systematic uh, review um, of the literature. Uh, and then we have to summarize that data and update this p- policy initiative. And I want a second version, a second edition of this. And I think there are three important advances that have happened in the last eight years. First of all, flipping the pyramid, we want to make the case that on average, when people with multiple sclerosis are treated with high-efficacy DMTs first line, they will do much, much better than those adopting a, a slower maintenance escalation approach. I'm not saying everybody should have flipping the pyramid, but it should be on the table as an option to treat MS that way. The second thing I think we need to include in the next edition of the uh, policy initiative is this concept of smoldering disease, that we need to go beyond no evident inflammatory disease activity and develop treatments and target smoldering pathology. And that's not only with drugs, which brings in the third issue, it's about the holistic management how we need to um, adopt marginal gains as a treatment strategy. In other words, look at all the little things we can do to improve outcomes. And I've written extensively on this in previous MS Selfies newsletters, but it's a no-brainer to me. Why would you uh, rely on the pharmaceutical industry and doctors and neurologists to manage your brain health when you can do so much, so much more for yourself by optimizing your lifestyle and preventing yourself from getting uh, uh, comorbidities and uh, metabolic problems. So um, if there are any funders uh, reading this or listening to this uh, MS podcast, please uh, contact us because we would like to put together a multi-stakeholder funding initiative uh, to update our brain health time matters in multiple sclerosis policy document. Anyway, please uh, feel free to uh, leave a comment, ask questions. We'll have a discussion around the the issues raised in the survey and in this particular uh, newsletter. And I'd also urge those who can afford to please become paying subscribers. I've had a large drop-off in paying subscribers, which I find upsetting. Maybe the content of these podcasts and newsletters aren't worthy of a paid, paid subscription. But I really do need the financial... Um, the finances from this to pay for our website, which we'll be launching in a few weeks' time, the uh, beta version. Well, it's more than a beta version now. It's it's looking very, very good, and we will hopefully launch it at the MS Trust meeting uh, later on this month. And uh, the only way I can um, make the microsite, the associated microsite uh, work is if I can hire people to do it for me because I really don't have the time or the bandwidth to do it. And I've got a medical writer and a website 
uh, designer you know, working part-time on this and I use the subscriptions from the site to pay for them and I really do need more financial clout to uh, make it make it a, a long-lasting uh, initiative. So if you can afford to subscribe, please do. If not, I'm going to have to try and go back to a stick where I um, only allow the email newsletters to go to paying subscribers and I will open them up uh, for the for non-paying subscribers uh, after say six months uh, which means you won't get newsletters you'll just have to look on the uh, MS Selfie website uh, to read the previous um, uh, newsletters that will be six months older or six months older um, I don't want to do that because I feel the information is uh, really important for everybody to read but um, um, maybe having an incentive to subscribe will increase the uh, subscriber base. Thank you very, very much and uh, hopefully enjoyed this podcast. <laughs>